0: Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed Play Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding, and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Hello and welcome to Feed Play Love and Helpline with baby sleep expert Joe Ryan. Joe is here to answer all your questions, whether it's about settling your little one or feeding or behaviour. Joey's going to help guide you through. You can ask your questions a number of ways. If you've joined us on the Facebook Live, you can pop your question below in the comments section. Uh, we also have an email. So if you're listening to us via the podcast, you can email us at helpline at the And we also have a helpline group on Facebook. There'll be links in the notes of this episode and also on the Facebook Live in the comments section. Jo, hello, welcome. Hello, hello, thank you. It's lovely to have you back. Um, Let's get cracking (laughs) with these questions. Our first one comes from Ashley, who posted in our Helpline group. Ashley says, my 13 weeker has started to only sleep for an hour at a time at night. She was sleeping 9 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. and then waking every two hours. But the last few nights, she doesn't do any long stretches maximum of two hours. She's not very hungry if I offer her a breastfeed. I've been resettling her in the bassinet to get her back to sleep for about 20 minutes or an hour. In the daytime, she's mostly been napping in the carrier while I'm out and about with my toddler, but I try to do one day nap in a bassinet first thing in the morning with padding or rocking the bassinet to get her to sleep. She'll sleep for around 45 minutes then. In the carrier, she sometimes sleeps for three hours. Wow. She usually has wake times of one and a half to two hours. I don't know if she's over or slept, or just can't link cycles.
1: Okay. So babies do start to shorten their sleep cycles in the daytime, around sort of eight to ten weeks they can start catnapping. But it sounds to me that she's probably a little overtired, that she's probably awake for a bit longer, too long in the day. For a 13-week-old, I'd probably only keep them up for an hour and a half at the most um, and because she's also waking frequently at night, she's going to be more tired at the moment. So, you know, you, that you, while you're trying to sort this out, you could even shorten that a little bit more, particularly the first wake time of the day. I would sort of cap that at maybe an hour. And then the rest of the day, an hour and a half. Um, I would definitely, if you could, maybe try and have her in the bassinet a couple of times a day. Um, You know just to start to get used to that because sleeping in a carrier is fine when they're little but as they grow and they want to move it's just not very conducive to sort of long sleeping um even though at the moment she's having three hour nap but i'm wondering if mum's kind of rocking the carrier at all in between times to get her back to sleep you know as she comes out of her sleep cycle so yeah so i would be definitely and and, and also, if she's having lots of little naps in the day, just make sure she's not getting lots of tiny little breastfeeds, which means she's like snacking, which can also cause them to wake a bit more at night um, because they're not having their big, full kind of feeds in the day. So stretch her out a bit in the day. Make sure she's getting sort of four to five, you know, big breastfeeds, um, you know, probably five at her age in the day and one to two overnight. Um yeah, and, and, you know, hopefully that'll start to sort of sort things out a little bit and she'll start to have longer stretches again at night.
0: Brilliant. And Ashley, you can always come back to us as well. So yeah. um, when you follow Joe's advice, see how you go and then and come back to us if you need further advice on where to go mm. next. Yeah. Um, the next question comes from Steph on Facebook. She says, hey, ladies, my five-month-old is waking, sometimes a lot, overnight. Should I be offering her feeds every wake Sometimes her waking can be hourly. She's breastfed and we use a dummy. Uh,
1: The answer would be no. Don't offer the breast if you can every time she wakes because she shouldn't be, if she's waking hourly, she shouldn't, that's not from hunger, you know, that's from something else. Um, And generally around five to six months, they do have a little sleep regression um, because there's a lot of developmental stuff going on. Now, if she has a dummy, could be that the dummy is causing a few sleep disturbances because they get a bit dependent on that sucking back to sleep you know to get them into the next sleep cycle and if they're coming out of a sleep cycle and they're in a lighter part of the sleep and the dummy's not in their mouth and they try to suck in order to roll into the next cycle it's not in their mouth they wake right up so it can be a bit of a problem so there's a couple of things you could try firstly I would start to You know, at five months, she really should only need one to two feeds overnight, um, two maximum, and stretch them out for at least four hours between those feeds. All those other wakes resettle her back to sleep without using the boob, you know. So you could use the dummy, but ideally we'd try to probably get rid of the dummy if as much as you could overnight so she can learn to put herself back to sleep or roll over into the next sleep cycle without having the dummy to suck on, you know, to kind of, so she's not waking all the time. So that would be sort of my advice there if you can. And make sure during the day, again, that she's um, not overtired, that she's getting enough sleep in the day, that she's getting, um, you know, her four, probably at five months, four milk feeds, big full milk feeds and not snacking too much in the day, which can also cause more waking in the night.
0: We have a question from Kay in our email. She has an older child. She says, Our three year old and four months is really proving testing. His behavior ebbs and flows, but the nose and throwing and hitting his little sister, oh my goodness, his little sibling can be a lot. Hopefully, oh. she's not actually throwing the sibling. Um, <laughs> we have tried all sorts and try to lead with it's okay to be frustrated, sad, angry, but we do not hit in our family. Any guidance for this period would be welcome.
1: Yeah, look, toddlers are a challenge, some of them more so than others. Um, Three is a challenging age um, for boys particularly. They can be a bit, start to get a bit sort of more aggro-type play, you know, hitting, yelling, that sort of thing. Um, I mean, I think, uh, you know, understanding that he, I'm not quite sure how old the sibling is, um... But, you know, there's probably been some change if there's a new baby or, you know, a newish baby in the house as well. So we need to kind of understand the frustration. Um, They're also trying to, you know, assert their independence and uh, communicate and do all those things which, um, you know, he's probably doing but not as much as often they'd like to be able to. So that's frustrating, Um, particularly if there's some verbal, you know, if he's not... Communicating that well, and sometimes boys can be a bit slow on the speaking, and so they get frustrated, and you know they can bite or hit or you know whatever it might be. So I just think um, some spending some one-on-one time with him um, every day, even if it's just twenty minutes, where it's just you and him and no baby around, is a good plan because often it's just they just want some you know a focused attention. You know where they're just getting your full attention for it doesn't have to be very long 15 20 minutes you know it's just you and him you know and and you're doing what you know giving him your full attention so don't be like folding the washing or chopping the vegetables or you know doing other things just focus with him sometimes that's all it takes but also just reinforcing that, the, that we don't hit, we don't do that. Moving him rather than the baby out of the situation, you know, comforting the baby when he hits us or, or him so that, you know, he can see that your attention is, you know, that that's, you know, oh, you know, she's giving her attention to, I, you know, when he wants it. So it's got to be some sort of he will get it. It's just a very frustrating time of their lives. Yeah. Um, it's you tough, know it? yeah it is tough I mean you know you've been through it
0: <laughs> yeah and I think yeah. one of the things that I from from that um, email what I would say is don't give up on the um, you know leading with it. it's okay to be frustrated mm. sad and angry because I feel like I think it was Maggie Dent I was speaking to once about the way children um, learn and how the neuroplasticity works for them. And she was kind of explaining that you know, you, you might have to say something to a child, it feels like a thousand times, yeah. but that's just cementing that pathway for them. And so yes. sometimes I used to feel like, and I <laughs> look back now and think, God, yeah, I used to say all the time, you know, you say, Please, say, Please, say, Please, mm. and guarantee once. They're old enough to go to someone else's house for a play date, They will say please, but yes, you, have to, exactly. you have to be patient with yourself and with them because it feels like, oh my god, what am I getting wrong? You know, you yeah. don't hit, but if you keep saying it, then it becomes not even not just a neural pathway; it becomes a house rule. Yes, I, I think I gave up on that a little bit, and I think sometimes <laughs> my kids don't
1: understand that you really, you really don't hit each other. Sure. And also I think it's important to understand exactly what you're saying, where their brain development is at. And at three, he has really, he doesn't have the capacity to understand anyone else's point of view. You know, they're very um, f- egocentric. They're totally, you know, they're just focused on, they only understand what they want. So that's why repeating, 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 you know, it does, it will go in, but it does take some time. You're forming those pathways, exactly. And, um, and understanding always, you know, so they don't understand their feelings or emotions either. But if you can say exactly like you said, Shev, you know, um, I can see that you're frustrated. I can see you're angry, you know, and just repeat those words that define those feelings, that can help as well with the empathy side that comes in a bit later as well.
0: Yeah, and that makes it easier for you too, Kay. I must say that even now Mm. when my son has tantrums about things that are just mind-boggling that he's having a tantrum about, as soon as I switch off that frustration and go to that place of empathy, he will calm down so much quicker than when I'm like, "Are are you really having a tantrum because you didn't make it to that next level of that game or whatever it might be. Yeah. You know, it makes it easier for you as well. So that's why it's a win, I think. Um, mm. Hopefully that helps, Kay. I think mm. we spent so long on it because three-year-olds are hard work.
1: <laughs> they are. They are. And it does go on and on and on and you think, oh, this is never going to change. But it, it will. Just hang in there, Kay, and, um, you know, good luck.
0: Good luck, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, this question comes from Nancy on Facebook. She says, my son is six months old and wakes at midnight and won't let us put him back down. He'll have a bottle around 1.30am and he's happy to go back down after that, but will wake again for four or five and again won't let us put him back down. He doesn't want his next bottle until 7.30 to 8am and he doesn't have a dummy.
1: Okay. Okay, so 12 midnight is a very common wake time for babies from about, you know, five to six months onward, because that is where they're transitioning from their deep sleep, which is what they're getting in the evening part of the night. And they're coming out of that around midnight and they're transitioning into their dream sleep, which they then go into till about four or five in the morning. So midnight, four or five, really common wake times. The good news is that your baby will go back to sleep. He will, I promise. But it... (laughs) And he will do it without the bottle. And my advice would be to not give him a bottle at midnight because all that's going to do is promote the waking. Like he's going to keep waking for it because it's going to be habit. And if you're kind of resettling him for an hour, an hour and a half, and then giving him a bottle... Also, something just clicks in their little brains and they go, okay, it is coming. I just have to wait for it. So he's going to hold out for as long as he possibly can, which sounds like exactly what he's doing. And then he's getting the bottle and then he's going back to sleep and the same thing is happening at four. So um, what I would recommend is just resettling him at midnight. Now, it might take you two hours the first night you do it. So you've got to be prepared for that, okay? But, again, I promise you he will always go back to sleep, okay? And if you have to pick him up and rock him because he's really distressed, do that. Do whatever you have to do to get him back to sleep. Obviously trying to let him fall back to sleep in his bed, not on you, but pick him up and cuddle him for as long as it takes and pop him back down and finish settling in the cot. Um, The next night something clicks in their brains and they go, oh. He goes, oh, there is no bottle, one, and I don't need it to go back to sleep, you know so clever. So the next night, it might be two hours night one. It might be 20 minutes night two. And, you know, night three, it might be five minutes. Or you might hear him wake and he might put himself back to sleep. So it's just a matter of showing them that they don't need that thing, you know, which is hard in the middle of the night and distress because he doesn't, you can't explain it to him, you know. So he's going to be going, but I'm tired and normally I have a bottle and you're not giving it to me and, you know. And at six months, um, he shouldn't need two bottles a night. One bottle is fine. So then the next wake at four-ish, um, I would then just give him a bottle straight away, not bother even trying to resettle, just give him the bottle straight away, get him back to sleep because between four and six, it's a very wakeful time of the night too for young babies. So we don't want to have that sort of constant waking from 4, you know, and, and 4.30 and 5, you know, because that's exhausting. So give him the bottle around then and hopefully um, he'll go back to sleep until morning, you know, and then he'll be up for the day. So that that is what I would do.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, we have a question from Jade on Facebook. She says, my daughter is nine months old. She was doing great at night, sleeping from 8.30pm till 5am after months of horrid night sleep since birth. Now she's waking all hours. Please help.
1: She says she's five months or nine months? Nine months. Nine months. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, again, um, nine months, is there can be a little regression around that age because, you know, think about there's a lot going on for them around this age. Often they're starting to crawl, you know, they're sitting up, they're starting to communicate, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. So all these things can cause sleep regressions. So, again, just look at um, the nighttime routine. Obviously, um, overnight try to resettle rather than feed. At nine months, she shouldn't really need food or milk overnight because she, you know, she should be on solids in the day and getting enough food and milk in the daytime. So just make sure that that's happening, that she's not hungry, that she's getting, you know, three to four milk feeds in the day, that she's having three meals a day, at least some solids, um, and that she's not too overtired because, again, with all this developmental stuff, their brain, is a lot of stimulation, they can get a bit overtired, particularly if she started moving more, like crawling. Um, so don't keep her up for too long in the day. And sometimes while you're trying to sort this out, because she has been waking a lot in the night, she will be more tired. So, you know, two hours up in the day, probably for her age, two and a half maximum um towards the end of the day. But keep her up. Um, uh, try to get her to have, you know, two good day naps, you know, if you can, two decent sized day naps, or at least one long one and one short one. Into bed not too late at night, because also putting them to bed too late can cause lots of waking in the night. So in bed, you know, 630 between 630 and 7 asleep would be great. Um, and just do that for a couple of days and hopefully things will start to get better again. Good luck with that, Jade. Our mm. next question
0: comes from Trina on Facebook. She says, I have a three-year-old. He wakes up around 6, 6.30 a.m. His nap is supposed to be 12.30ish, but sometimes he's pushing the nap until 12.45, 1 or 2 p.m. And now he's started to not want to nap sometimes or he'll just want to rest in his room. That's fine. He just talks to himself, etc. Don't they all?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: If we go in the car, he'll go to sleep. And when it gets to 4.35ish, he gets tired. Do I direct drop the nap and just deal with it or just shorten the nap? Nighttime is 7 o'clock shower, 8 p.m. sleep.
1: So three-year-olds are at that age where some of them are, you know, wanting to drop that nap, you know. So I think it's always still good if, if for you and for him to have a little rest time. So I would just um, still encourage the going to his room and and, you know, not, not too late. I mean, 1 o'clock is fine, but, you know, you don't, you don't want him in there till 4 o'clock in the afternoon because that can then start to affect the bedtime thing. So, you know, you could maybe say from 1 to 2, you know, he's in his room and if he sleeps, great, but, you know, you wake him up maybe by 3, so two hours, you know, maximum nap time. If he If he just chats and he's still chatting an hour later, maybe that's enough, you know, and you get him up and then you get on with your day. But dropping naps is always a transitional time for children and it means that they will be more tired, you know. Um, So bedtime might have to come, you know, on the days that he doesn't sleep, maybe bring bedtime a bit earlier so he's in bed asleep by 7 or 7.30, you know. So we've just got to just tweak things a little while they're transitioning and dropping naps and and moving on. But it it is normal around this age for this sort of stuff to happen.
0: Yeah. We have a question from Leah on Facebook. She says, Hi, Joan Siobhan. I have a 30 month old daughter who, since around six months, has been waking constantly for feeds throughout the night. She was never interested in proper solids up until recently. So I've been hoping she's been eating, uh, since she's been eating more during the day, she'll sleep overnight and won't want those feeds. I also thought she was cold, so now she has a heater. I thought her tummy was sore because she's been waking up screaming. Screaming. I gave her infracole, thought maybe teeth, etc. We feel like we've tried everything and the only thing that will settle her is breastfeeding. We let, let her cry to see if she'll settle, but she tries to wriggle out of our arms and in the dark at night, it can be stressful. We're exhausted as we have a three-year-old too, but we'd love any tips you might have. My husband gets up instead of me too to settle her, But only I seem to be able to stop her from crying. Oh, that's
1: tough. It is tough. And unfortunately, by 13 months, it would be really cemented this habitual waking, you know, and needing the association between waking and feeding back to sleep would be really cemented. And often this is what happens. I've seen lots and lots and lots of babies over 12 months old that start waking every two hours of the night. And mum's a bit like, I don't know what to do. They're exhausted. So they just keep feeding them back to sleep. And unfortunately, all that does is just reinforce the wake pattern. So it doesn't really matter how much she's eating in the day, you know, because it's still not going to, she's still just going to wake because it's not about hunger at her age. It's about habits, you know, and associations with how she's getting back to sleep. So my advice would be um, to yeah drop that feeding at night you could you could drop it down to maybe once you know a night or even twice to start with if you have been every two hours you can do it gradually so um so resettle her every time she wakes and I know it's hard in the middle of the night and it is going to take a long time but I think if you're prepared mentally for that you know so what I always say to parents is set the room up so that you can sit beside the cot for a long period of time because You know, you can't lean into a cot for a long time because your back's going to hurt and you're going to give up, right? So make sure that the room's set up so that you can sit there and touch her in the cot and pat her. You know, take your phone with you, listen to some music or put on some white noise or some music in the room. That really helps, you know. um, You both get through that hours. Know that it's going to take at least two hours for her to go back to sleep at least once during the night. And once you've done that once, it will change dramatically. It will get better very quickly, but you've got to be consistent. So in your mind, say, okay, for the first three nights, I'm going to feed it around 11 p.m. and then I'll feed her at 4 a.m. Okay, that's, that's a good time. So once you've done that, then I would say drop the 11 p.m. one and push her out to 4 a.m. And, you know, even if you feel up for it, you could just drop the feeding altogether, you know, and just go, right, I'm just going to do it tonight. And generally it will take, three to five nights, and things should be dramatically improved. Her appetite will definitely increase during the day if you drop all that milk feeding at night. Because imagine imagine how much milk she's getting in the night. Imagine if you woke up every night at three times and had a glass of milk or a milkshake. You'd be like, I'm not that hungry for breakfast, you know. So so she's getting a lot of calories in the night. We need to just flip that so she she's more hungry in the day. So cutting that milk out at night will really help that.
0: Um, and I noticed there that um, Jo, she says that she's the only one that can settle her back to sleep. But with this strategy, and just because I know the advice, mm-hmm. that you did, would you suggest that um, Leah gets up to give those feeds at 11 and 4, but between times, sorry, husband, but between times that it's yeah. husband? Because I, I keep saying I was really tough the second child like I, when I was weaning my son off night feeds I just refused to go in there at all um and pre- and I don't know I must have had ear in or something because I didn't I, I didn't hear my son cry so much and it, I understand it will take time but will it be a shorter mm. period if Leah's partner does the settling without when he's not <laughs> feeding?
1: can definitely, definitely help. Um, Obviously, the babies are, 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 you know, um, a bit more like distressed at the beginning when it's not mum coming in. And also you've got to kind of prep your partner as well to stick with it because sometimes, you know, they can't cope with the crying and they're like, oh, my God, you know, just feed them, you know. So I think, like I said, the previous um, question, they will always go back to sleep. Okay, they will always. There's no baby I've had in 17 years that has not gone back to sleep in the middle of the night. You know, if you're talking it after four, that's slightly different, but all those wakes pre that, they will always go back to sleep. But there will be one that will take a couple of hours, particularly for a 13-month-old. They've just got that. They wake right up and they've just got two hours in them in the middle of the night. But if you can get through the first night and having a partner to help will make a huge difference and you guys can divide it up however way you see, like you go in for the feeding and he does all the other or he does night one, you do night two, whatever it might, however it might work, depending on whether you want to drop all the feeds all together or do it gently, Um, work it out before you get into that room or before that first wake. So you're not in the middle of the night because you know what it's like, you said you'd go, no, you said you'd go and you're having this argument in the middle of the night and that's terrible, you know. So work it out, be consistent. She needs to understand what's happening and she, we don't want to confuse her by starting and then stopping or trying for an hour and a half and then feeding her again and, you know, that sort of thing. So it's good for both of you to be on the same page and, yes, get some help. Sometimes it's a really good idea too to start this on a Friday night so that you've got Friday night, Saturday night, by Sunday night, things are often, you know, vastly improved.
0: Mm. And once it improves, Leah, make sure you and your husband have a sleep date night. So you get the kids, now that she's sleeping well, get someone else to look after them and you guys just sleep. I reckon yeah, if I'd given absolutely. myself those sorts of rewards or known that was at the end of it, I would have survived that period so much better.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right.
0: Okay, I think we might be able to squeeze one more question in. We'll see how we go. This one is from Elizabeth on Facebook. She says, hi, ladies, I've got twin three-year-old girls. They sleep in a double bed together as we don't have another room and it's a small room. Nighttime we do teeth, read books in bed. They store heaps during their teeth and I say the consequence is fewer books to read. We stopped dummies at their birthday a month ago but they are gradually getting harder and harder to put down. They want more kisses and cuddles. They want to the body and then do a wee and they seem to force out a poo to delay. <laughs> <time>. <laughs> oh, yes, bedtime
1: poo.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I will only take one to the bathroom at a time as it turns into a big game time. They scream at their baby gate for me for ages and last night they climbed over it and came into me. I put them back to bed and they fell asleep within minutes. I can't seem to set any boundaries. I have told them they have to go to sleep, but they fight it.
1: Hmm. Yes. Well, again, it's very common. It's very toddler behaviour. You know, there's always stalling um, uh, when they work out that they can keep you in the room for as long as possible. That's what they're going to try and do. So for three-year-olds and also their girls, so... um, you know, you can do things like um, having a chart where you tick off all the things that have to be done pre-bed, like, you know, and, and you, they can help you make that. It's a bit like a star chart, but it's more kind of a, a sort of focus, like this is what, these are our tasks that we do and we don't do any more sort of thing. So you can always say but you know, this is, this is what's on the chart. And so you can help them make it up and you can have, you know, brushes, teeth does a wee, has a drink of water, gets a cuddle, one cuddle, you know, one book, whatever it might be, and as you do it, you tick it off with them, have it in their room so they can see it somewhere clear. And when they start stalling, asking for the extra, you say it's not on the chart, we've done that, we've already ticked it off, you know. So you're just reinforcing, you know, and and you can also be, because sometimes it's a bit of separation stuff. I mean, even though by three generally they're a little bit better with that, but they can, you know, if things are like, if they've started childcare or if there's changes going on, sometimes they can want that. And I guess there's two of them. So one's maybe, you know, encouraging the other and they're, they're doing the same. So you can do that, you know, I'm leaving, you know, and I'll be back in five minutes to check on you, but you need to stay in bed. And you can keep that on the chart as well, stays in bed, you know. Um And so coming in and out can sometimes help with that separation stuff or if there's any anxiety around being left alone, you know, and five minutes is a bit long to start, but you could start it with one minute, you know. I'm just going to go out and do X, Y, Z, and then I'll be back in one minute to check on you. You need to stay in bed. Out you go. Stay out for any minute. Come back and check on them, you know. And then I'll sit here for a minute. You guys have to try and go to sleep. And then now I need to go out. I'm going to go and do a wee but I'll be back in one minute to check on you. And you, you know, you have a little excuse that every time you leave the room, whatever it might be and you come back. So it's keeping it short periods out of the room to start with increasing that over the course of a couple of days. And sometimes that can really help because it's just building up their confidence that you're around and you're not sort of going and, you know, they're not going to see you again. I mean, they are a bit older, so they, they, they will understand so often it's just it is just game time so having structure around bedtime they call it good health sleep hygiene you know having that really good ritual before bed and really reinforcing it. and if things aren't on the chart it doesn't happen if it's already ticked off it doesn't happen you know things like that and just try to be strong because it is tough and they will push you and there's two of them and there's one of you
0: yeah <laughs> Exactly. Good luck. Um, look, we have run over time, but I am going to squeeze one more question in. This is from Aisha from our Facebook inbox. She says, how do we get our almost four-year-old to stop swearing? He's saying the word, etc. We've tried ignoring him and we even tried the soap on his lips. He just funny. I don't know what to do. Any ideas would be welcome. Kind regards for a mum who is at the end of her patience. (laughs) (laughs)
1: i ended with a hard one (laughs) yeah okay one please don't put soap on his lips please don't yeah that's that yeah that won't do anything um i think you just have to reinforce you know and lead by example (laughs) you know no swearing um which is tough or you just accept that you know kids do swear occasionally these days i mean too it's much more kind of commonplace um but i think if you can lead by example so if you if you don't want him to swear then don't swear you keep reinforcing every time he says it you know the consequence uh, you know has to be you know it has to be something he understands so just saying we don't use that word it ups, it's upsetting it upsets me mm. i don't like it you know how it affects you you know um can be helpful when they're bigger as well he's 4 he should be on the process of trying to understand getting a bit of empathy, so always referring to yourself as me, I don't like it, you know, rather mummy doesn't like it, you know, how how does it affect you? It upsets me, I don't like it when you do that. You know, just reinforcing that and hopefully, you know, I I mean you can't be too punitive about these things, you know, because, you know. he.
0: Can I ask, Joe? this might be completely wrong for a four-year-old, but with my seven-year-old, he is... So mo- motivated by money at the moment because when he saves his uh, birthday mom- money, he can go and buy something. And um, we have so we've been trying to get rid of all their toys for so long now that they've grown out of. But they're hoarders, my children. They won't let them go. So my husband came up with the idea on the weekend, which I actually thought was quite brilliant. Where he mm. said, "If you choose um, the toys that we can." send off to um, re somewhere else, mm. I will give you $10 per box. So you have to have a box full of toys. And we have yeah. never been able to motivate our children to get rid of their toys. And if we just did it, we'd be crucified. And I'm wondering, is four too young to say to him, like in terms of swearing, um, I'm, it seems like a long bow, but you know how adults have a swear jar and you have to put a dollar in every time you swear? What if with a four-year-old you had started pocket money and said every time you swear I'm going to take a dollar out of your jar?
1: Would that be too punitive for a four-year-old or is it too... Um, You could. You could. He's a bit young and also I think sometimes rewarding, the reward for changing behaviour is sometimes a bit, you know, there is a theory that you shouldn't reward you know, what what you expect, what is normal behaviour. I understand with the toys because that's actually giving something of theirs away, you know. Yes. And um, but look, I mean, I don't think it would hurt to try it, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, the thing with rewarding kids uh, with things is that it can cause a bit of sneakiness or a bit of, you know, because they think if I, or lying because they want that reward so they'll lie to get, you know, because they think that's what, Is expected of them you know Mm. so sometimes it's better to just lead by example Mm. but you know um, again you could have some sort of chart situation you know um, like the jar or something like that where there is an ultimate goal you know so that he's working towards something Um, and in the meantime maybe he gets a sticker or something you know um, or like I mean I think with the swearing it's a bit hard because you're not rewarding the swearing. You want to take something away, yeah. so perhaps a, a a jar of his toys or something that is removed. You know, something that he he likes to. I don't know. I, I, I'm just I'm just sort of you know. I just think it's. I, I don't know whether punishing them, punishing him for doing it, is a good idea either. I think because mm-hmm. sometimes that's part it depends, of making yeah it going yeah yeah because sometimes they do it for attention, you know, or to get your to get your attention. So you know also think about that, like are you busy with um you know if there are other children in the house? you know, does he want just some one on one time with you? You know that one on one time about behavior changing is always a really good thing if you think it's about attention that they're they're seeking or desiring, or you know whatever it might be, because sometimes if he gets in trouble for swearing, that is still, you know, uh, some attention from you and often that can be, you know, it's not great attention but it's still, he's still got your attention, you know. So yeah. think about what might be going on and, and you know, um, maybe have some one-on-one time and every time he does it, just keep repeating the mantra, you know, have a mantra that you say, we don't swear, I don't like it, it upsets me, you know, it's as simple as that and Yeah. hopefully things will change. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's tough, isn't it, four-year-olds?
1: There's also one more thing I might just throw in. Sometimes for for older children, like four and on, social stories are a really good way of changing behaviour. So kids of that age really love to hear stories about themselves, you know, tell me story about me, you know, Mm -hmm. so you can make up a little story about this little boy who didn't swear and he, you know, went along and he was so good and, you know, everyone loved him and he, you know, he didn't say those swear words and he got, you know, some kind of and it doesn't have to be long and just read it to him every day and often that's a really good way of changing negative behaviour into good behaviour.
0: Oh, wow. That's a really interesting point. I haven't heard that before. Well um I did throw a tough one as the last question yeah. but thank you for taking the extra time to answer that Joe um, Okay And that is all we have time for today on Helpline. If you didn't get a chance to speak with Jo, she is one of our experts on Babyology's parent school. So there'll be links in the notes of this episode and also links um, on the Facebook page if you'd like to book a one-on-one session with Jo. Um, We will be back next week with another expert answering your question. Jo, thank you so much for your time today. And I'll see you. You're welcome. Bye-bye.